Smith. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. I've been around for a long, long year. Stole many a man's soul and faith. I was around when Jesus Christ had his moment of doubt and pain. greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Not too many sermons start off with the Rolling Stones, do they? The purpose of the first Christian church is to love God, love others, spread the gospel. There was an interesting survey done in 2008 by the Harris Group, and this survey revealed some interesting facts. In 2008, 80% of Americans, there was about 2,100 people in a nationwide survey, 80% of Americans said they believed in God. 59% in this same survey said they believed in the devil. That is down from 2005, just four years earlier, that is down from 69%. So Americans are keeping faith in God, yet losing faith in the devil. Interesting. Um, this morning we begin a brand new sermon series called Knowing Your Enemy. When it comes to doing battle with the evil one, when it comes to doing battle with the enemy, we've got to know our enemy. We have to know what he's like. We have to know how he appears. It's not good enough to just know that an enemy exists this enemy of ours, this enemy of ours is on the attack. This enemy of ours is constantly waging war and waging battle against God's people. So today we're going to start this sermon series on knowing our enemy. Because we can't fight him if we don't know who he is. We're going to spend five weeks talking about knowing our enemy. And... Uh, Today we're talking about knowing who our enemy is. Next week we'll talk about knowing who our enemy is not, because that's just as important. The next week after that we'll talk about knowing our enemy's tactics. Then we're going to look at the armor of God and talk about knowing how to defeat our enemy. And finally, we'll talk about knowing our enemy's destiny. 
He has one. But for this morning, we're talking about who our enemy is. We are in a war. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle every day of our lives. And you know what? Honestly, we don't take it seriously enough. We kind of, you know, I, I wanted to, in that video, in that slideshow, to kind of show some of the humorous ways that we treat the devil, and that we treat the enemy. You know, we throw the word devil around. We, we have sports teams that are sponsored, you know, and they have mascots who are devils. Oh, you little devil. You know, I, we, we trivialize the enemy. And that cannot be because the enemy, as we're going to see, is very dangerous. The enemy is real. 41% of Americans don't believe that there is an enemy of their souls. 41% of Americans are wrong. And it's not just good enough to say, well, I believe in God. I don't have to believe in the devil. And you've lost the war. You've lost the battle. If you don't realize that there is someone, an enemy out there that is trying to destroy you, you've lost the battle. The reason this sermon series came about was because I've noticed in conversations with people, there's a lot of people in our congregation and our church family who are under spiritual attack. The devil is going to work. The devil is working on people. He is tearing families apart. He is tearing lives apart. We need to know how to fight and defeat the enemy. Or else he will continue on his rampage. So uh, if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. That is our main scripture for this morning. I'll quote a bunch of different scriptures, but that's the main one. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. We'll read that in just a moment. Grab your uh, bulletin. In your bulletin is this morning's sermon outline. And let's talk about the enemy. The very first blank on your outline is the enemy is the devil. Duh. It's pretty obvious, right? The enemy is the devil. Well, next week we'll find out that it's not quite as obvious. But the enemy is the devil. The Bible refers to him as the devil the evil one, Satan, Beelzebub, an angel of light. The one thing that the Bible does not say, the one, the one name of, of Satan that, that people often think is the name of Satan, but really isn't, in Isaiah chapter 14, uh, it says people believe that Satan's name is Lucifer. But uh, the, uh, Lucifer comes from the Latin translation of the Bible, and the Hebrew word literally means morning star or shining one. And it was most likely historically referring to a deposed Babylonian king, not necessarily the enemy, the devil. But that's just a little historical tidbit for you uh, this morning. Uh, in the Gospels, he is referred to a couple of times as Beelzebub. He appears uh, in Job uh, as one of the angels presenting himself to God. He appears throughout the Gospels, uh, in, in most uh, specifically he appears to Jesus and tempts him after Jesus has fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. He appears in the Garden of Evil, uh, even. <laughs> I do not feel well. I'm sorry. He appears in the Garden of Eden as he tempts Eve. Easy for me to say. But he appears in the Garden of Eden and he appears as a serpent, a talking snake. And he appears to Eve and tempts her and kind of knocks over the first domino and we end up where we are today. 
Um, in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, we find that he is referred to as the enemy. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and in James chapter 4, we see that we are called upon to resist the devil. In James 4, 7, he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Also in 1 Peter 5, it says we must stand firm in the faith. We must remain faithful and stand firm, even under spiritual attack, even under if it's severe persecution. We are to stand firm and remain faithful to Christ. How did Jesus resist the devil? When the devil came calling on Christ and came to tempt him, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He quoted scripture to the devil. He quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, quoted from the book of Psalms. And he quoted scripture to the devil in order to resist him. Now, part of the problem that we have when the devil comes calling and comes tempting us is we don't resist him. We don't turn away. We don't run back to God. Half the time we put out the welcome mat. We don't want to, you know, not sin. There are days when we go, oh, I don't want to sin today. I, I want to be good. I wake up in the morning and I say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful today. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to. And there are some days when life beats you up so much and it just drags you through the dirt that you go, I, I can't do, I, I can't even resist. I don't have the strength. And that's when we need to quote Scripture. That's when we need to turn to prayer. Pray to God, Lord, give me strength. God, strengthen me. God, protect me. God, help me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit is able to overcome. On our own, with our own strength, the devil is too formidable of an enemy. Without God's Holy Spirit, without the power of God within us, we cannot resist the devil on our own we need help in james 4 he says draw near to god and he will draw near to you and that is exactly what we need to do when the devil comes calling we need to turn run back to god draw near to him and allow him to draw near to us and the bible promises that he will if we will turn to god if we will turn to him and say lord help me god draw near to me i need you closer than the devil God will do that. He will draw near. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Second blank on your outline this morning, the enemy is dangerous. The enemy is dangerous. Peter describes him as a roaring lion prowling about. When I was a kid, we'd go to the zoo. Y'all been to the zoo? Everybody's been to a zoo, right? Most people been to a zoo. Love the zoo. We go to the zoo... What's your favorite animal at the zoo, anybody? Wait, did I hear snakes? Giraffe? Somebody likes snakes? Polar bears? Love the polar bears? Oh, man. Koalas? Remember where they had the koalas in Chicago? I went to see the koalas. Of course, you go in the day and koalas are nocturnal and you can't see them. But they're so cute with those big black noses and the eyes and the sleepy look. Anyway, it's my favorite animal. But I, I, I tell you what, when I go to the zoo, I always make sure to visit the big cat house. 
you got to go to the big cat house. And how do you know where the big cat house is? It's not just a sign with the lion on it. You can hear it. You can hear the roaring lions, the roaring big cats. And you walk into that big cat house. It's got that big cat house smell. But you walk into that big cat house and you see that majestic creature, that majestic lion with the huge mane and the big teeth and the massive paws and the long tail, that perfect coat. And you wonder for just a moment, can those bars really hold that animal? Lions are scary. They say that on the savannah you can hear their roars for miles, miles and miles. They are powerful. They are dangerous. No one says to a lion, here kitty, kitty. Because they're dangerous. A lion will kill you. It is the king of the beast, the king of the jungle. You don't get that, that title from just, you know, any old reason. Lions are bad. The baddest man, the baddest animal in the jungle. Lions are dangerous. And this is the, the analogy, this is the metaphor that is used for our enemy. The enemy is not described as a wiener dog. The enemy is not described as a teddy bear. The enemy is not described as something soft and plush. Little kitty cat. The enemy is a lion prowling about looking for someone to devour. You ever been so hungry you devoured something? This is a hungry lion. This is a prowling lion. You've seen them at the zoo prowling in their cage, stalking, looking at you, thinking, he'd be pretty tasty. That is the enemy. That is the devil. The lion that prowls around looking for someone to devour. How many days do you feel like you've been devoured? <laughs> there are days when life just beats you up and tears you apart, when you feel like you have been attacked, when you feel like you have been eaten up, chewed up, and spit out. Devoured. How am I going to get through this? You know, we want to resist, we want to turn away, and we don't know what to do. If only there was a road map, if only there was a guide. Is there a roadmap? Is there a guide? What did Jesus do when the, when the prowling lion came? He used the roadmap. He used the guide. He used the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. He quoted scripture. Yet, we don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to read the Bible. I'm so busy. I'm running here and there and everywhere. I got kids. I got a job. I don't have time to read the Bible. What do you have time to do? Knowing that this is the weapon of God. This is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. This is the, 
This is how Jesus defended himself, how he fought back against the devil. You don't know this, you are weaponless. That lion will chew you up, spit you out. That lion will attack you and devour you. You don't know the word, you've got no weapon. What about prayer? Can we pray? Absolutely. Pray and turn to God. God, help me. Get me through this. But often, like I said, instead of resisting the devil, we put out the welcome mat. Come on in. The enemy, the enemy is the devil. The enemy is dangerous. And finally, the enemy is a deceiver. Jesus called the enemy the father of lies. He is a liar, the father of lies. He will not only lie to you, he will lie to you. But you see, the enemy knows the truth. He does not submit to the truth. He does not submit to God's authority. He does not submit to the truth, but he knows the truth. But because he does not surrender to God, because he does not surrender to Christ, the truth will not set him free. But the enemy knows the Bible. The enemy will twist and distort God's words. That's how he got Eve. He said to Eve, did God really say you would die? Well, let me think. What did God say? He says so many things, you know. The enemy will use words out of context as he tempts Jesus with Scripture. Doesn't the book of Psalms say that you can throw yourself off the temple and not even a foot will scrape? That he'll send legions of angels to rescue you? The enemy knows the word. Do you? Do we know our Bibles? I saw a report this week that biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. If you're not involved, if you're not in a, a small group study, if you're not reading your Bible, you are weaponless. He is a liar, the father of lies. He masquerades as an angel of light. He is a deceiver. That word masquerade is a, a, a play word. It's, a, it's an acting word. Like Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. Tom Hanks wasn't really Forrest Gump. He was pretending to be Forrest Gump. Satan really isn't an angel of light. He masquerades as an angel of light. He pretends to be an angel of light. He makes you think, yeah, I'm safe. You can trust me. He's a deceiver. He is a liar. He's an actor. I've heard it said that the devil will tell you two lies. The first is, just once won't hurt. Taking that thing that doesn't belong to you just once won't hurt. Looking at that website once, that won't hurt. It's just one time. That one night stand, it won't hurt. No one will ever find out. You're on a business trip, you're thousands of miles from home, just once won't hurt. Getting wasted, just once won't hurt. Taking this drug, just once won't hurt. Telling that lie, just once won't hurt. Just once won't hurt. 
spreading that little bit of gossip just once won't hurt. Just once won't hurt. And then he'll tell you a second lie. See, you buy into the first and you do the thing that you know you're not supposed to do. You do it just once and you find out, yeah, that hurts. And then he'll tell you that second lie. And the second lie is, well, now that you've completely ruined your life, what would God ever want with you anyway? And he lies to you. And he lies that guilt. And he lies that doubt. And he puts it in your mind, that doubt, that God really loves you. That God can really forgive you. Did God say he'd really forgive all your sin? What about that one time? What about this one time? Does God really going to forgive that sin? Does he really love you? And we doubt and we go, oh, I'm such a horrible person. I am so unworthy. Jesus told a story of someone who was unworthy. Someone who who just once went out and squandered all his father's wealth. Just once won't hurt. And as he sat feeding the pigs, feeding the swine, said, what am I doing? Why am I here? I am so unworthy of my father. Maybe he'll take me back as a slave. Maybe he'll take me back as a hired servant. Where was the father? Waiting with arms open wide. Come on home. Come on home. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid the price so that we could come home. Anytime we walk away, and we do walk away, we believe those lies of the devil, and we walk away from God, and we think, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go chase this dream. I'm going to go chase this sin. I'm going to go chase this temptation. And we walk away and God is there waiting for us to return, to come to our senses as the, the prodigal son did, to come to our senses and realize, I've been deceived. I've been lied to. Just once hurt. How could God ever take me back? It's because the incredible, unconditional love that God has for you, that amazing love that God has for you is real. That love that God has for you is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That love that God has for you will never change. Well, I'm so unworthy. Absolutely, none of us are worthy. But Jesus makes us worthy by God's grace through faith in His Son. We are saved. And God says, you are now worthy to be called my son. Worthy to be my daughter. And we come home running. And he welcomes us home. We come home running. And he kills the fatted calf. We come home running and he puts the robe on us. We come home running and he puts his rings on us. We come home running and he throws a party for us. Because my lost son, my lost daughter is home. And we are home. That love that God has for you will never change. That love that God has for you will never be any less. It, can, it will never diminish. Yeah, but I know. Yeah, but I know. That love that God has for you is not conditional. It is not dependent on the good things you do. It is not diminished on the bad things you do. 
God's love is perfect and it stays the same. I've said it before, I really believe this, that God loves me the same no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm committing the most egregious sin or I'm preaching a sermon. See, that blows my mind. That doesn't make any sense. When when I'm out being a total bonehead and and committing a sin, God is saying, Sean, you don't need that. I, I love you. When I'm up here preaching a sermon, God says, I love you. And they're the same kind of love. It's the same love. I would think, in my flawed thinking, I think over here, God is looking down at me going, Mm-mm, no, no love for you today. How, how could you do that? What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? And then when I'm up here preaching, God's like, it's my boy. <laughs> Way to go, Sean. It's not how it is. When I'm over here, And I'm doing this, God's like, it's my boy, I love you, and if you'll let me be enough, you don't need that. And when I'm up here, God's just saying, Sean, I love you, tell them about my love. But I love you the same no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going. And that love that God has is for all of us. It's for you, it's for me, and it's the same. We don't need the lies of the devil. We don't need the lies of the enemy. We don't need to buy into his deception because God has to be enough. There's a story that's told of a young girl on a winter's day walking to her grandmother's house. And as she's going to grandma's house, it's very, very cold. It's bitter cold. She's almost there. She hears a rustle in the grass. And she looks down and it's a rattlesnake. And the snake, before she walks away, the snake says to her, please pick me up. I'm very cold. I don't have a a, a thick coat. Uh, I'm very cold and I'm very hungry. And she looks at the snake and says, I'm not going to pick you up. You're a rattlesnake. You're poisonous. You will bite me. No, I won't. I promise. If you'll just save me, I'll be forever grateful. If you'll pick me up and put me in your coat and take me somewhere warm, I'll be forever grateful. And she looked at the snake and the snake was beautiful. It had wonderful colors. It was gorgeous. And it looked Well, it didn't look so menacing or scary. And after all, it promised it would not bite her. And so she picked up the snake, she put it in her coat, and as she walked away, she felt a sharp pain in her side. And the snake bit her. She threw it on the ground and said, you bit me. You promised me that you wouldn't, and you bit me. And the snake looked at her and slithered away and said, you knew what I was when you picked me up. Don't buy into the lies of the enemy. He is not safe. He is a dangerous deceiver. And he will lie to you to tear you apart. Don't buy into the enemy's lies. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Heavenly Father, This is such a hard sermon series. This is such a hard sermon. I don't want to give the enemy more credit than what he's due, but I don't want to diminish just how dangerous he is. Your word says that he is a dangerous, deceptive demon, a devil. He is like a lion that is prowling about. He is tearing people apart. He is tearing lives apart. He is tearing families apart. And God, we want him to stop. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that you would that you would protect us from the evil one. 
in the name of Jesus Christ that you would protect our families. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the powerful name of Jesus, that you would protect our lives, that you would deliver us from temptation, that you would deliver us from the evil one. Father God, protect us this week and help us to know the truth and to be set free by it. We thank you for this time, for this sermon series, and pray that we would learn, we would grow, and we would be prepared, and we would be protected by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen.